So we're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning, and where we're going is where we ended last week. It says, the way we give disciple-making to others is the same way they will give it to their family and friends. Therefore, we follow the model that Jesus gave us as close as possible. Okay? So we want to follow the model as close as possible. And so we find these encouraging words in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. This is, this is Jesus. They've had the Last Supper. They're making their way down through um, the valley. They're crossing over a lot of the, the muck and the mire that is down in that valley uh, because that's usually where the, the offal is is cut out of the animals for the sacrifices. That's where the, the blood that would be drained from the temple, it would all run down through there. And you can see the symbolism as Christ crosses over from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives and how he's crossing over from life to death. And then he'll come back as he comes back the next day. And how does he come back the next day? He comes back being led as a criminal across that same um, muck and mire, right? So as he's going over these things, he's walking through the vineyards that would be out there. He's walking through the olive groves, and he's teaching the disciples lessons. And he walks through this vineyard, and he talks like this. John 15, 1 through 4 is how it starts. He says, I am the true great vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. As we talked about it last week, um, the parables, Jesus' illustrations, have an expectation of bearing fruit to be his disciples, don't they? We see it once again as he comes into here. We see the disciples growing a little green. They're, they're getting a little big in themselves, and Jesus is about to cut them severely back, right? They are going through a time of look at me, maybe. Look at me, look at where we're going. I am Jesus' right-hand guy. I, Lord, you just say the word, and I can be on your right, and my brother can be on your left. Well, you can't ask him that. Well, why not? Because I was going to ask him that, right? That, that's what's going on in their, the disciples right now. They're getting a little distracted, and Jesus wants them to model through obedience. Model through obedience. So when we walk in obedience, we produce the character of God. When we walk in obedience, we produce the character of God. I think we also do a few other things, but um, we, produce the, we also produce disciple-makers of Jesus, because if you are walking with the character of, of God, 
people will see that and they'll want to replicate it just like the disciples saw it and they wanted to replicate it with the Jesus's character. They saw Jesus. They saw there was something different about him. We want that. Teach us how to be like you. And he's like, I will do that if you teach others to be like me as well. They're like, deal, let's go. Let's sign up. We're going to do this. Um, You're going to save us from Rome. That's great. Love it. And he's like, I'm going to save you so much more than Rome, right? So much more. So we'll see good character produced, and we'll see disciple makers produced. The character of God looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, selfishness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, right? That's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If we see these results in our lives, we keep moving forward. We keep moving forward with Christ as the head. If we don't see these things, then we pause. We evaluate what's holding us back. We confess. We ask the question, Where does God want to go with me in this ministry? Where does God want to go with this ministry as a whole? That's a question I'll be asking in a a few weeks when we do the the elder time, right? I thought that would be a good question. So then we have to say, well, this is where God wants me to go. This is where I'm currently at. How do I narrow that gap? Right? How do I narrow that gap? What is something that we can do. And so I evaluate what I need to change, and then I put into practice those things so I can add to those steps. One of the things that we see in Christ's life, anytime he's implementing those steps, what does he do? He prays, right? You ever see any major decision done in Christ's life in the Bible? You almost have a night worth a prayer that is preceded by it, right? So as we move forward, we want to produce the character of God that comes by following his examples, and I think we can find it in these four areas. I mentioned these last week. That was mentioned two weeks ago. I'll mention it again. It's Kavanaugh, right? So you're aiming, the idea of Kavanaugh is that you're aiming at a target to hit the bullseye. And when you hit the bullseye, that's great. Okay, so these are the four areas. Prayerfulness. So a life of prayer. It says pray without ceasing. Remember that in Scripture it says that. How do you do that? You involve God in your thought process. You ask God what he thinks about these things. The second is studying God's word to know and to love God. Not only just to read God's word, but to study it, to meditate on it, to know and to love God. And the third is extravagantly extravagantly love God and to love others extravagantly. Not only are we called to love God, but we're also called to love others as God loved us. And so as we... Find out that we're extravagantly loved by God. How do we know that? Because he gave us his son. What did he get that was any better than Christ Jesus? God gave us his best. And so we can give our best to others. 
And the last one is C323 living, right? So that's my my gang symbols right there, right? That's all I got for her. That's as hip as I can get, right? So it's C323. Um, Learn that one from Bill Allison. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it, not for yourself, but as unto the Lord, right? Colossians 3.23. So life as worship. We talked about whether it's, I, I use the illustration of cleaning out corn and soybean gunk out of those, if you recall, and it stinks. It's the worst smell I've ever encountered in my life. And um, I suppose if you like threw a dead rat in there too, it'd probably be worse, but it, it smells pretty close to that, right? It's just absolutely rank. And um, God called me to clean these things out, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. So what are some things in our lives, our dirty closet, if you will, like it would say in those little booklets, if you got one of those from My Heart Christ Home, what is in your dirty closet that you need to confess to the Lord and uh, get out into the open, right? Because if we open that closet door up and we let it air out, it, it loses its power, just like mold, right? If you expose mold to sun, it kills it. And if we ex- expose our sin to the sun, it kills it right? It's so, as we look at this process of Kavanaugh, it's like shooting at a target with an arrow until you hit the bullseye. And I would say that would be surrendering to Jesus and asking him to lead. And then I think God calls us to shoot until we don't miss, right? And I would say that's the process of sanctification, so we first we shoot to hit the bullseye, and then we continue to shoot at the bullseye until we don't miss. And I thought that was a good principle that we have in um, our walk, that if we shoot to hit the bullseye, that's great, but then we shoot to not miss is, is walking in righteousness, walking toward holiness. So this process happens over a lifetime, but we'll, we'll really never reach perfection until we get to God in glory. So the question might be, why try? Why try? Well, I can tell you it's a good reason to try is because this is an act of surrender to a God who promised to love you And he followed through by giving his best. So he asked the same out of each one of us, doesn't he? Are you willing to give your best since I gave my best? Well, I'm going to try every single day. I'll fall short, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to develop character that allows me to do a better job along the way. Wow, that's kind of cool. It's the example that Christ set for us while he was on the earth, he didn't take Mondays off. I shouldn't have taken Monday off last Monday. I tell you what, oh my goodness. Sometimes we do dumb things. Men, just admit right now, we do dumb things. We're dumb people. We don't think sometimes. And well, sometimes that gets us in trouble. That got me in trouble last Monday. So I quickly repented and... um 
work through um, backtracking as far as I could to make it right, right? Stinking Facebook. So what is it I've seen out of believers who have come before me, right? I think of my grandparents. My grandma was so faithful to study God's word. That was something that every time I saw her after she got done with the dishes in the afternoon after she was retired, she would sometimes work out in her garden, but oftentimes I saw her with her Bible and her Bible study walking through God's word. I know she has gone through it several times before, but she would continue to study it again and again to keep it fresh in her mind. And I would think of my, my grandpa as both grandpas that were very strong in their faith. Were they always men that were strong in their faith? I don't think so. That takes time to develop, doesn't it? And it starts with God's word. It starts with surrendering to him in prayer. And as you walk, as Jesus walks, it's good to to know and to follow through with those things, right? Their character was sound as they modeled Christ in their life. And I think as you even look at some people that aren't sound in the character, they're still setting an example for you in something that you don't want to go. It's easy to regress and, and to be like that. I don't want to do that. I want to follow Jesus. And some people, they do one thing well. They do one thing well. And so that you can analyze, how do they do that one thing well? Does it sacrifice some other things because they do that one thing so well? Or maybe, maybe it doesn't. So as we go through, it's good to find several people to look at, your, to model, right? Model the life of Christ. Because then you can walk through together. The way we give disciple makings to others is the same way they will give it to their family and friends. Therefore, we follow the model that Jesus has given us close as possible. Right? When we're young Christians, sometimes it's hard for us to um, always have the right attitudes. And so we got to remember that the attitude that we model is the attitude that we want to model as well. And um, we want our disciples to model as well, right? That's important. Let's continue on in John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. It says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. So I put on your bulletins, abide in me, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ, or as it's written in the New Living Translation, remain in me. I like the old school, abide in me, because I really like the song by Matt Marr. Uh, if you've ever heard that song, uh, abide in me, it's really, really, really good. 
So the first one was the model and obedience. The second one is to stay in the model also is another way to look at that. So you can write next to abide in Christ, you could put stay in the model. Because is the process complicated in following Jesus? I don't really think it is. If it was complicated, it'd be hard to repeat. It'd be hard to reproduce. And as we've seen over the last 2,000 years, the, the church has flourished. And the, more, the harder it gets for the church, the more it flourishes. And so if it were a complicated system, the system would have been forgotten already. But Jesus makes it pretty simple. All you pretty much got to do is surrender and then produce character. Now, producing character is not always the easiest road, but when we mess up from not producing that character, repentance is pretty simple, isn't it? And he allows us to restart and reset. That's what communion's all about, right? Reset and recharge kind of thing. Have you ever dealt with a grapevine before? You ever had one before? They're the hardest things to kill ever. If you take and chop out the stump of a grapevine, its roots will grow right back. It'll be right back there. You have to like dig every single stinking root out of that thing to get it out of there. It is hard to kill. We had, a few years ago, we got this little elm tree back here, and I noticed it was getting stressed. So I cleaned up the ditch a little while back, and I was looking at that elm tree, and you know what it had growing on it? Probably still does today, because this has been five years ago. It had a giant grapevine on it, and had grapes on it. There's a grapevine. We got, we got a couple of grapevines. It was killing, um, there's one of uh, Tim's trees back there. It was killing one of his pine trees. It's growing up it. It's taking it over. It strangles them. It strangles those trees. And I thought it was a great illustration that nearly choked out life in, in this other plant, but it didn't produce many grapes. Because where was it putting all of its energy? In the green growth, right? It wanted to make sure it was going to make it to the next season. If it produces grapes, what's it producing? Yeah, competition. I don't want competition. I just want to have me and my little self. I don't want to have to invest and pour into other people. Honestly, people are draining, aren't they? People can be draining, but they can be refueling and refreshing too. And so we have to have that balance there in our relationships. We have to recognize that. Um, very refueling people, V. VRPs, VRPs, very refueling peoples, and VDPs, very uh, depleting people. And then you have VNPs, which are very neutral people. And it's important to have those, all of those in your life because we're called to minister to VDPs. We're, we're called to fill them up and show them how Christ is supposed to fill them up and sustain them. Not me. And VRPs, how can we encourage them? You ever get around somebody that you just love to talk to? And you're just like, man, I could talk like all day and I haven't even, 
I haven't got past subject one. I want to talk about five things with this person, right? That's a VRP in your life. Those are important. It's also important to pray for those people as well, right? Just as much as you pray for your VDPs, which is your depleting people. And then you have your VNPs. Maybe you haven't developed that relationship with them, but it's important for them to be in your life and that you are, are there as well. And you have to look at your relationships and how many uh, VRPs, VDPs, and VNPs do you have in your life? And you're like, whoa, I don't even know my ABCs, right? Because if you look at your life and you look at all the friends that you have and they're all refueling people, guess what? You're probably not a refueling per- person to all those people. You're probably a depleter in their life. And so you need to look and find your, your sustenance in God's word. Or if you have all depleting people in your life, that kind of points that you might have a savior complex, that you are becoming their Messiah and not Jesus. And that's dangerous too. Maybe you all have neutral people. And that's not good either because that means you're just going with the flow and you're finding your comfort zone, right? So you need to have a balance. You need to be able to pick those out. That was something that was told to me. That's a Bill Allison thing, isn't it? Um, one of the very, very first lessons I ever learned from Bill um, when I first met him, so heard him teach. So green on a vine is good. But when the vine's taking over in a personal growth, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? We need to be producing fruit. We need to let that overflow into our fruit sometimes well. And while fruit is competition, we have to be careful of that. So why do we ever get like that where, where we have not enough fruit and lots of green growth? So maybe subconsciously sometimes? This was a good description of me about three years ago. We were getting ready to go through some rough times here at at church, and um, I could see the numbers going down. Dave could see the numbers going down, and I said to myself, when was the last time we had a white rose in the youth group? When was the last time we had a baptism come out of the youth group. And I got down on my knees and I asked the Lord, you know what, I'm, usually that reflects back on the leadership. In my opinion, that's, that's where I go first. I'm going I'm to evaluate first with me, especially since I was the leader of the youth group. What are we doing? And he said, it's not your youth group. It's my youth group. That's always, always the process for me. I always want to take over. I got this. It's a control thing, I guess, with me. I got this, Lord. Hey, if we do it this way, and he's like, no, no, that's too much Shane, not enough me. So I confessed that to the Lord. I confessed, and I gave it over to him, and I gave it over to him, and I gave it back to him. And I did that for six months, and I said, Lord, where is the harvest? I've given you the ministry, where's the harvest? You said, ask the Lord of the harvest. I'm asking. 
And then we started getting a bunch of fifth graders in the youth group. And then we had COVID hit. And we've seen um, something happen with the least amount of work. Well, where I've, I've told you that before. That's the process of how it happened. I surrendered it over to the Lord. I gave it to the Lord. He does the work. He does the work. That's pretty awesome. And then we started seeing white roses coming in. And we, we've seen that with vacation Bible school and things. But you know what shows a testimony for your church? Uh, a, a strong testimony for your ter- church? An adult white rose. An adult baptism. Right? Because you see life change coming from us going into others. And so ask the Lord of the har- harvest. Be brave to intersect Christ into your conversations and share the, the word of the Lord with that. And it's an exciting time. We have, we've had, had, we've had a little bit of a spell, but that's all right. We're going to ask the Lord of the harvest, right? Amen, Pastor Shane. That's right. Go, Jesus. Right? Because what's John the Baptist say? When Jesus steps onto the scene... He says, I'm the bridegroom's friend. He's the groom. He must become greater, and I must become less. I am blown away by that passage every time I read it. None of his disciples got it. They're all fighting for John. They're saying, John, John, you're a great person. You got great teaching. And John did, didn't he? He had the same teaching that Jesus did. They both said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus took it to the next step. But John was down the right track. He brought the scriptures back where it was supposed to be. He brought God's to God's people. And he brought the people of God to repentance to him. That's what his baptism was all about. His baptism was a repentance by water. He says, but there's going to be one that's going to come with baptized with fire. He must become greater. I must become less. And who, who went and followed we have John and, and Andrew, right? Those are the first two that went. And then John goes, gets James, and Andrew gets Peter. How, when did they hit each other? When did they find Jesus? They found Jesus about the 10th hour of the day, which is about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. When's the Jewish day end? 6 o'clock, right? Six o'clock. They spent two hours with Jesus. They walk away from that conversation and said, this is the Messiah. We found the Messiah. This is the guy. That was quite the conversation they had, right? And then you see the next day and the next day. And John walks through that process. This is what happened. This is how I became a Christian. It's pretty amazing. And of course, they go and get their brother's. So we need to surrender it all to Jesus. Less of me, more of Jesus. Working through the process, it looks like this. You stop, you repent, and you ask the Lord of the harvest. Right? And you could even stick, you stop, repent, and you evaluate. Then you ask the Lord of the harvest. I wanted to remain in the vine. I wanted the Lord to see me as his true 
disciple. But if I'm going to remain in the vine, I'm going to produce fruit, he's going to have to cut off some of the green. And sometimes that hurts. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes I got to eat crow. Sometimes I got to ask repentance. Sometimes I got to ask to do, what can I do to make it right? Right? And as we walk through that process together, we all have to do that. That's what we do. I'm a crow eater. I'm good at it. I don't know if I'm very good at it because I'm always like, (laughs) you know, Um, that that shows my pride welling up in me. If I were good at it, I'd be like, oh, give me more. I want seconds. I don't say that. So here's a, a refined way of how to ask the Lord of the harvest. I learned this one from Bill Allison as well. Who's in your RSI? RSI stands for Relational Sphere of Influence. Who's in your RSI? Well, I'll break it down a little bit better than that yet. Most pastors hate this question because when we're asked who's in a relational sphere of influence that we can influence for Jesus Christ, we don't have anybody to ask because we're like, well, you're my influence. And I think that's part of the problem with the church today because you are just modeling what you're learning from me, right? So he's just staying in his Christian bubble, so that's where I'm staying in. Fortunately, with White Rose Fellowship Church, you've given me the opportunity to get involved at the school. You've given me the opportunity to coach softball, to coach volleyball, and to volunteer down there as much as possible. So who I, do I get to influence? I get to influence the, the guys on the team, the other coaches. And it's been a very rewarding experience for me on how to go out into the community. You know, I really hadn't done that much before. Um, I've done it a little bit, but not like that. Not like, not like this. Because it's an expectation to go out as you go to share the gospel. And I would, I would find I would share the gospel in little intersecting conversations as I keep nagging about over the last month. I just keep bringing this up. I know it's, it's horrible to share Jesus. But I was scared to death to share my faith. One time in high school, I locked up. I went to share the sh- my faith with my best friend, the person I should feel safe, safest around. And I went, I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. It's not that hard. I realize that. It's not an all or nothing. They presented it. They rejected it. That's, we're done with it. No. You start praying for them. And the Lord works on their hearts some more. And you intersect your faith a little bit more. Because then they can see. They can evaluate you. And as you bring them to Jesus Christ, as you model it for others, so they're going to model it for others, that they, how they receive it, right? So you have four blanks in your bulletin, don't you? You're like, what are those blanks? To abide in Christ. I want you to write down somebody you live with. How can you model Jesus Christ 
for someone you live with. It might be just your husband or wife that you live with. Then it's going to be an easy person to write that name down, right? Where you work. How can you model? Maybe it's going to school for some of you younger ones, but if you're retired, maybe you get to put play twice, right? What do you do for a hobby? What's something you do for a hobby? Who do you run across on a daily basis that you can write down? Who do you work with on a daily basis that you can write down and start praying for them to have a heart? And who at church can you write down? This is something that's been encouraged by me. On that list right now, softball's ended. We're in between volleyball season, and I have four people I have written down on that list. And I will tell you them right now. It's Bethany, Jesse, um, Amy, and Jay. And I've been praying for them over this last few weeks as I've written on them. And I have a card for each one of you to give you. So... um, It's the Disciple Maker's Prayer, which is also in the bulletin. When you start your day, think of those four people and say the Disciple Maker's Prayer. It says, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and to love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. And Jesse, Amy, Jay, and Jesse. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, who loves people, who makes disciples, who makes more disciples, ad infinitum, which means to infinity and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Call to worship this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17. You see that list of verses there? It's right there. If you go through the disciple maker's prayer and you take some colored pencils, you start marking, you're going to find those verses come right into that. We just did that on Thursday with Bill Allison and a bunch of other guys. It was very enlightening to look and see how that scripture is intertwined through that whole prayer. And um, it'll really bring it to life. Cut the, I would encourage you to cut that out, something you can pray for those four people on a daily basis. It's a good way to start your day. Pray for them. Pray that they may know God, grow deeper in their roots. and something we can pray right now for them, right? Let's take some time to pray for those names that we have. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those on the list that we have that don't know you. I thank you for the heart of the congregant that put somebody down there that they're brave enough to want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. 
Lord, I pray that they would have it in their mind to intersect the gospel message there. Lord, I pray also for those that wrote things, those down that they want them to grow. They want to see fruit produced in their life, that they would encourage them on that route as well. That they would lift up these people continually in prayer and guide them to produce fruit. How awkward that may be. Because I think the awkwardness with, the, with faith underneath of it is the best. Because that means you get the glory for that. Guide our hearts closer to you, Lord. Guide their hearts closer to you as well so that they can guide others who can guide others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John 15, 9 through 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments, remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, our joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I have command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. A lot of people looked at this as prosperity gospel. Whatever you ask in my name, it's got to be in the Father's will. And if we are in God's name, another word for name is that we're in God's character. So if we're walking in God's character, then we will know his will and we will have the same thing on our hearts as he has on his. It will be easy to ask for things in his name. That doesn't mean he's going to give you a million dollars. But he might give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Through trials. Oh boy! <laughs> John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I loved you. And 13 is similar. It says, there's no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. What better way can we do that today than to be praying for our friends? We're going to start here in this congregation today. Okay? So, if Anakin, if you want to put those questions up there, I'd appreciate that. And I'm going to stop preaching for today. And we're going to put this prayer into practice. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 says, Do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as we live 
in Christ Jesus. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done, right? We are asked, he says we, it's okay to ask God for our needs, but to, tell, to thank him for what he's done already. So we have three questions I have up on the screen today. It says, what is your origin story to White Rose? Okay, what is your origin story to White Rose? How did you come here? How did you make it into here? What, what, what led you down this road here? And some of you, it was like, well, my parents went here. This is what I did. Um, maybe you can ch- choose why you stay. Well, my parents wake me up every day and they make me come. Right? That's all right. That shows that you got a good faithful mom or, or dad. And I appreciate that because you know how many times I walked, we drove past the Lutheran church and said, why don't we go to church there? It's closer. More of my friends go there. Why don't we go there? And we drove by, and I'd ask the third Sunday in a row, why don't we go there? My friends are there. My dad said one sentence, and that was it. And I never asked again. He said, because all churches aren't the same. And I knew what he meant by that. White Rose, we stand on a foundation of the Bible. And we want to lift that up in prayer and in surrender. And if we can surrender to one another through our stories and through praying for that story, that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to shut off the video as we go to communion and to uh, that as well. It looks like it shut itself off already, so that's sad. Oh, well, I should have seen the the light was not going. I'm just going to make sure that's off. Maybe it recorded it. All right. So the first one, what's your origin story? The second one, who is your biggest influence in your life right now? And who has had the biggest impact on you to follow Jesus? Okay? Then I want you, so I want to pair up. I want you to pair up, and we'll do this in groups of two. Okay? And I don't want it to be husband and wife teams. I want it to be somebody you don't necessarily know very well. I want you to introduce them to them, and then say, this is what we got. Okay? And then... So I want you to ask these three questions, and then for the other person, I hear you say this. I hear you say that you came from um, a family that's been here a long time, and I, I really appreciate the faithfulness. I hear you say that you were invited by somebody else, and that you got here, and that this person's influenced you on this, and then pray for them. So I need everybody to stand up. Stand up where you're at. You're like, this is like youth group. Yes, it's totally like youth group. That's what I make them do. I was going to make them do it this Thursday. But I'm like, you know, I don't even make the adults do this. So how can I ask them to do the same thing that I'm about ready to ask them? So I am getting ready to do the same thing with the youth group upstairs. But I want you to set the example in this. So Now find a partner. 
Find somebody that you can pray with, that you're comfortable with praying with. Good.